Acts 28. Acts 28. The last time, again, I was in this a couple years ago, I preached a little humorous title, Not Today, Not in My House. And ever since then, I've still got text messages from people that even got a t-shirt that says that now. Not today, not in my house. And uh, this is going to be a little different than that, of course. Acts 28, beginning in verse 1. And when they were escaped, then they knew that the island was called Melita. That word Melita means honey. And the barbarous people showed us no little kindness, which literally what that means is they were very kind to them. For they kindled a fire and received us every one because of the present rain and because of the cold. And when Paul had gathered a bundle of sticks and laid them on the fire, there came a viper out of the heat and fastened on his hand. And when the barbarians saw the venomous beast hang on his hand, they said among themselves, no doubt this man is a murderer whom though he hath escaped the sea, yet vengeance suffereth not to live. And he shook off the beast into the fire and felt no harm. Howbeit they looked when he should have swollen or fallen down dead suddenly. But after they had looked a great while and saw no harm come to him, they changed their minds and said that he was a god. In the same quarters were possessions of the chief man of the island, whose name was Publius, who received us and lodged us three days courteously. And it came to pass that the father of Publius lay sick of a fever and of a bloody flux, to whom Paul entered in and prayed and laid his hands on him and healed him. So when this was done, others also, which had diseases in the island, came and were healed. We'll stop there with the reading tonight. This last chapter of the book of Acts, actually, it basically culminates about 30 years since the beginning of the church. The church started in the book of Acts, and many of you know that and understand that. Uh, We know that the church was birthed on the cross of Calvary, But the church, when they were first called Christians, was about 30 years previous to this happening uh, to Paul. Paul, at this time, of course, he's already been converted. He's already uh, started following Christ. He's already planted several churches. Uh, He's actually been pretty successful in what he has been doing. He's been able to plant churches. He's been able to see people saved. He's been able to heal people. People's lives have been changed. Uh, But he's also, because of that, been arrested and been persecuted. Um, And so all this success has caused him trouble with the people. And can I just say this as, as an aside? Living for God and doing the right thing doesn't always mean you'll be accepted. (laughs) Most of the time when you do the right thing, and stand up for God, and take a stand for him, you will face persecution, and you will face suffering. 
Even though Paul was greatly successful, you know, he was a great apostle, even though he's responsible for many books in your New Testament, he still suffered and he still faced persecution. And when you take a stand, sometimes it's going to cause some uncomfortable and awkward situations. Now, this story, we, we start in Acts 28 with this ship that was shipwrecked on the island of Melita. And you got to go back to the previous chapter to get the whole story. Just very quickly to share with you the background. Paul is there with 275 prisoners and they were being shipped to Rome to stand in front of Caesar, to, to, uh, to stand trial in front of Caesar. Paul, uh, with all these other criminals, uh, were, were ready to set sail. There was some discrepancy as to what they should do and where they should go. And so we know that around the middle of chapter 27, that they were coming up upon stormy seas and the Bible says that Paul stood up in the middle of them and said, don't fear, there was an angel that came to me and visited me and gave me assurance. And he said, the God I serve has promised us, I'm paraphrasing here, that no one's going to die. It doesn't mean we're not going to be shipwrecked. Some may have to swim on boards. Some may have to swim on broken pieces. But none of us are going to perish. We are all going to survive. And so God gave him that promise. I'm not sure if all the criminals on board that day believed him. I'm sure that many of them thought that they probably would perish in those turbulent seas. But the Bible says that they shipwrecked on this island called Melita. The island of Melita is now called Malta. It stands between Africa and Sicily. And so on their journey to Rome... They were shipwrecked in this island called Melita. And when they got there, they, they found some barbarous people or barbarians. It doesn't mean they were evil people. It just simply meant that they weren't Greeks. And so we probably can understand, you can understand the situation, trying to transport yourself back there. There was probably a language barrier that they had to overcome. Even though Paul was very fluent in many languages, no doubt there was probably trouble communicating. But because of them being shipwrecked, the barbarians were very kind to Paul and to all those that were shipwrecked. And so the Bible says they, they kindled a fire. And when they kindled a fire, Paul, uh, you know, wanted to help out. So he got some sticks and he threw it on the fire as well. And we know the story, right? The Bible says that a viper came out of the fire, came out of the heat and fastened onto the hand of Paul. Now, to me, that really shows us how amazing this is because that's not even natural for a viper to do. Normally, a viper or a venomous snake will just bite you and go on. But the Bible says that it fastened to the hand of Paul. And when it fastened to the hand of Paul, all the barbarians and all the people around were beginning to wonder how long is it going to be before this man passes away? So they were all standing around waiting for him to die, but guess what? He didn't. They were all standing around waiting for him to swell up. Guess what? He didn't. They were all waiting for him to stop breathing and fall over and perish, and guess what? He didn't. And I wonder tonight, just by, uh, just by an aside, I wonder how many times that people thought, how in the world are they going to make it through this? But you're still here. 
How many people were just waiting on you to die and fall over through all the trials and the storms you were going through? But guess what? You made it through. You didn't die. You made it through with the help of the Holy Spirit. And so there were these, they were there looking, waiting for him to die, and he didn't. And the Bible says that Paul shook, shook off the snake in the fire. And again, they were still waiting for him to die and swollen and fallen dead. But they noticed that while he was there and just going about his business, that there was no harm that came to him. And they immediately thought he was a God or really that God had a hand in what was going on. And so that brings us, by way of introduction, this brings us to the points of the message. Number one, I want you to notice about this text I want you to notice, first of all, the storm, the storm. I hope you understand that Melita was not their destination. Rome was their destination. When they left the sea and when they left the port, their destination was to go to Rome. But just because they were shipwrecked, on the way to Rome does not mean that they were out of the will of God. The shipwreck wasn't out of the will of God. No, the shipwreck was just confirmation that they were headed in the right direction. And so tonight I'm trying to tell you this, uh, this storm that happened in their life, this storm that caused this shipwreck was not the work of Satan. It was the will of the father. And can I submit to you this? We know and we understand that God orders our steps, right? He knows the way that we'll take, Job said. He orders our steps. But can I tell you this? He also orders our stops. Because sometimes we get lost going to our destination. And sometimes God has to stop us just to confirm that we are headed the right way. Now, when you're lost, you're not lost because of your location. You're lost because you're going the wrong direction, right? When you're lost in the woods somewhere, you know where you're at, you're in the woods. But your problem is you don't know where you're going. And so when you're lost, what should you do? You should stop and try to get your bearings and figure out which direction you need to go. And folks, I'm telling you, some of you can testify, some of you can lift up your hands tonight, and you can say, I was headed in the wrong direction. And the, the will of God caused a storm to happen in my life, caused me to stop. He caused sickness, he caused pain, he caused suffering, but it caused me to stop. And because I stopped, I, I understood that I was headed the wrong way and I needed to get back to where God wanted me to go. And I say this often. Sometimes the storms that happen in our life and the circumstances aren't the devil's fault. Sometimes God orders them to get you to understand that you're not going the right way. But even though they were stopped by this storm, listen, listen, they were exactly in the will of God and a storm got them in the middle of the will of God. 
And I say this a lot too. Don't always curse the storms that God sends your way. God may be using those storms. God may be using those situations in your life to help you to get back into the center of the will of God. And I promise you tonight, you may be suffering. You may be going through something and you say, how in the world can I make it? How do, why do I have peace in my heart even though I'm struggling, even though I'm going through these storms? I'll tell you why. Because God has caused you to stop, but just because he's caused you to stop don't mean that you're not in his will. There's no greater place to be than in the center of the will of God. And sometimes the center of the will of God is being right in the middle of a storm. Amen? We don't like to preach that, but I promise you, sometimes God allows it to get us to stop. So we notice, first of all, the storm. The storm. Then secondly, notice the sticks. Notice the sticks. And when they were escaped, verse 1 says, then they knew that the island was called Melita, and the barbarous people showed us no little kindness. Look at the hospitality they give them. For they kindled a fire and received us, everyone. Now look at what it says. I never noticed this before. Because of the present rain and because of the cold. Now I know you said, well, Ryan, yeah, it was cold. They were wet. They needed a fire. What's the big deal? No, you don't get it. Look at what it said. They kindled a fire because of the present rain and because of the cold. I can understand why you would build a fire if you're cold. But why would you build a fire when it was raining? That's what that means. It's still raining. Has anybody ever tried to build a fire in the rain? It's virtually impossible. But these, these people that showed them the hospitality said, you know what? We're going to go ahead and do it anyway. Even though it seems impossible, we believe it can happen. And so guess what? Guess what Paul did? This is, this is my point. Guess what Paul did? Paul said, he looked back. You'll know no one ever, no one else did this except for Paul. It was recorded. No one else, not, not 275 of them. They just stood around and watched them trying to build a fire when the wood was wet, when it was raining on them. They, they were so, what in the world's going on? No doubt they were confused, but Paul, he didn't look around and say, I don't know what these guys are doing. They are crazy. Guess what Paul did? Guess what Paul did? He grabbed a bundle of sticks and he started throwing them on the fire. He said, you know what? I'm I'm going to surround myself with people that know that the impossible can become possible. Hallelujah. How many of you believe that God can do the impossible? He can do what no one else can do. And instead of us just standing around looking, instead of us just looking around wondering, how's he going to do it? You know what we need to do? We need to grab some sticks, put them on the fire, and it may look impossible to the world, but it's always possible with God. Amen. 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 And sometimes God will show some people some crazy things. He'll ask you to do some crazy things. And, and to be honest, 
In my life, I've seen some people do some crazy things. <laughs> and I look back and I wonder, what in the world are they doing? Shame on me. You know what I should have done, Brandon? I should have got some sticks and threw them on the fire. <laughs> I should have got hooked up with them because even though they're crazy, they still believe that God can do what no one else can do. Amen, folks. I'm telling you, we're in, a, we're in a time when we need to believe that God can save your family. We're in a time to believe that God can save your friends. You may think it's impossible. You may think they're hard and they'll never come to know God. But listen, I'm here to tonight to throw some sticks on the fire and say, God, it can do the impossible. Amen. So just don't stand around gawking, confused. Pick up some wood and throw it on the fire. Amen. That's what we need to do. Get, get, get around some people that believe can, God, God can do the impossible. Amen. There's, a, there's enough negativity it's, it can spread like wildfire too, no pun intended. But it's time for us as the children of God, it's time for us as Rubyville to believe and stick together and be unified in the fact that things may look crazy, things may seem crazy, we may do things that nobody else does, but guess what I'm gonna do? I'm just gonna throw wood on the fire and say, God, it's not up to me, it's up to you. Somebody say amen, I'm busy preaching. We see the storms. We see the sticks, but third, notice the snakes. Notice the snake. Think about this now. I lo we all love the part shaking it off, right? I love that part, shake it off. But think about this. The snake never showed up until Paul started doing something. Mm, that'll preach right there. Until a group of people got unified and until Paul started building something, the snake never showed up. But let me remind you, anytime you're gonna do something for God, anytime you're gonna try and start building something for God, the snake will always show up. The snake will always show up. They were working together. And here comes the snake. <laughs> if there ain't no snakes around you, some of you say, well, bless God, there ain't no snakes. I'm not talking about physical snakes. I don't like them either. But if there ain't no snakes bothering you spiritually, probably means you ain't doing nothing. Amen. And I don't mean, I don't mean to be a Debbie Downer, but anytime you do something for God, you will face opposition. You will face snakes coming out of the fire. Amen. But I'm telling you, you're going to find out <laughs> the reward is a lot better than the opposition. <laughs> and greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. Amen. Amen. So let me ask you this, a couple questions. First of all, why didn't the snake bite one of the 275 criminals? They deserved it. They were criminals. Why didn't, why didn't they jump out and, and fasten on one of their hands? Why, 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 did they, why did he fasten on Paul? You're exactly right, Wayne. Because he was doing something. And anytime you do something, 
you're going to get bit. It's like this. In football, whoever's running with the ball is going to get hit. And if you're running with the ball, the snake's going to come and get you. (laughs) The snake's going to jump out. But I'd rather be moving. I'd rather be doing something for God and knowing that God's got my back and knowing that no matter what the devil throws my way, I can just shake it off. (laughs) I can just shake it off. Why? Because thank God, God is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Amen. Amen. What else? Why, Why else would the snake... Jump out at Paul. Here's the main reason, I think. Because he was building a fire that was going to kill him. <laughs> I'll run over that one more time. Why did the snake jump out and fasten on Paul? Because Paul was building a fire that the snake was going to die in. <laughs> Why do you think Satan attacks us so much? Why do you think as we're nearing the end of time, Satan's going to unleash his forces against the children of God? I'll tell you why. Because we're building something that he's going to die from. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We're building a fire that he's going to burn in. Thank God I'm thankful tonight. He may fight us, but he won't fight us much longer. There's a place prepared for him that he will burn forever in a lake of fire. Somebody say amen. The snakes, the storm, the sticks. But finally notice the survival. The survival. After Paul was bitten by that snake, they looked. He didn't die. But no doubt the wounds of the snake bite were still in his hand. No doubt they obviously saw the effects of the snake bite. But he was okay. He survived. Then notice what happened. It says in that same area there was a chief. And his dad, his dad was sick. Had a fever. A bloody flux, suffering from two sicknesses. The Bible says that Paul entered in, prayed, laid his hands on him, and healed him. Now think about this with me. Think about this. The same hands that hurt, that were hurting, were the same hands that could heal. God used hands that were bruised to now be a blessing. Now, think about it this way. This man was saved. His life was spared because of wounded hands. Do I got to write it out for you? Do I got to spell it out for you? Kind of sounds like someone familiar, doesn't it? The hands that were hurt, the hands that were beaten, the hands that were nailed to a cross of Calvary, that were bruised for my iniquities. The chastisement of peace was laid upon him. 
and by his stripes we are healed. The same wounded hands that were hurt that day on the cross were the same hands that one day as a five-year-old boy reached down and touched me and my life was spared because of wounded hands. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. And this man survived because of wounded hands. But you say, well, how did Paul survive? How did Paul survive? How, how did he make it through the storm? How did he make it through the, the venomous viper? How did he make it through all that? Can I submit to you this? God, Paul did not survive because of God's power. Okay, I know you're going to look at me and think, well, that, why would you say that? Because it, never, it, does, it doesn't say in this whole verse in this whole verses I read, it never says one time that God spoke, that the, hand, the, the Lord said this. We don't, we don't read of God anywhere in those eight verses. So I don't believe that Paul was spared from the storm and from the, the venomous serpent because of God's power. Listen, I believe he survived because of God's promise. You say, where was the promise? Let me read it to you. Acts chapter 27, verses 22 through 25. This is Paul saying, and now I exhort you to be of good cheer, for there shall be no loss of any man's life among you, but of the ship. For there stood by me this night the angel of God, whose I am, and whom I serve, saying, fear not, Paul, thou must be brought before Caesar, and lo, God hath given thee all them that sail with thee. Wherefore, sirs, be of good cheer, I believe God that it shall be even as it was told me. That's why Paul couldn't die. That's why none of those on the ship could die because God made a promise that they had to get to Rome. Folks, hallelujah, God has promised us that if we're a child of God, we're gonna make it to the other side. We're gonna make it to heaven. We may have a Melita to stop by on the way. We may have a storm that'll shipwreck us, but bless God, we are not gonna die. We're gonna live because he promised that we will. That's good preaching. I don't care who you are. Bless the Lord. Amen. Hallelujah. He promised us we would make it. And that's why Paul survived. Because of the promise of God. And listen, that's why you're here tonight. Because God's promised you. What does he promise me, Brian? He's promised me that he'd never leave me. He's promised that he'd never forsake me. He promised that he'd be faithful. He promised that he would provide every need that I have. He promised, he promised, he promised. And he's faithful to keep those promises. 